Good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm Amy, and I'm going to be preaching this morning on Luke 23. Um, it's a hefty chapter, um, so I'm focusing mainly on the trial, um, which conveniently the uh, the spoken word we've just listened to uh, largely incorporates. Um, I wanted to start by introducing myself, then I'm going to pray, uh, and then we're going to launch straight in. So, uh, First of all, I'm Amy. Uh, I am one-fifth of the Fortnum family. Um, so you may know the other guys uh, who are a bit more regular than I am at OBC. Uh, I'm a university student going into my final year in the University of Bath doing politics and international relations. Uh, the last year I've interned at my Bath church, um, which I have to say in, in all sorts of ways, but particularly on Zoom, it's a lot more chaotic and less organised than this one. Um, yeah, <laughs> we have a policy of people don't get muted until uh, the service starts, so it's just all sorts of chaos um, until the beginning, um, and, and all sorts of things go wrong on a weekly basis. So, um, yeah, I hope that I don't bring too much of the St Michael's chaos with me this morning, but if I do, um, then know that my, my church in Bath is, is chaos to the brim. Um, I thought of three things that uh, maybe would be helpful to know about me if, if you're uh, new to me and you, you don't know uh, what I'm about. Uh, the first um, is I'm un unapologetically political. Uh, it's my degree, it's my life, um, and it's a big part of uh, how I show faith. The second is that I, I love wearing red lipstick and I actually didn't have some on this morning and then I saw that Ashley Wells joined and I thought, oh no, I must put red lipstick on for Jenny um, because Jenny always picks up on it. Um, and then the third thing is that my, my lipstick and my politics are not connected. Um, <laughs> I just thought that was a fun uh, coincidence and that I'd look a bit funny wearing yellow lipstick. Um, I'm now going to pray and then we're going to launch into the the trial Jesus goes through before the crucifixion. Okay. Lord, I thank you this morning that we can join from wherever we are. I thank you for Zoom, um, for its chaos, but also its uh, incredible ability to bring communities together. Lord, I pray as we explore um, this monumental chapter in Luke, that you bring home to us the, the radicalness, the authenticity, the rawness, um, the pain and the, the hope and the audacity that hope has to exist in these chapters and these verses. Lord, thank you that you died for us all those years ago, but it is still shocking today when we, we think about the way that that happened and the consequences. Lord, I pray that you would give us um, ears to hear, uh, that you would help us sit with uncomfortable uh, truths and that the radicalness of what you did thousands of years ago would hit home this morning. I ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay, off we go. So I wanted to uh, <laughs> call uh, the title of today's uh, service, Jesus the Failed Terrorist. Uh, and Dad told me that was too controversial and um, too complicated. Uh, so just know that that is the subtitle um, to today's uh, talk. Um, the, the formal title is um, Crucifixion. Uh, that's what we're looking at this morning. Um, 
but I'm going to start by talking about uh, a guy called Darren Brown, who you may have come across. He's uh, known for being like a, a TV magician, um, but he's a bit more than that. He often does uh, experiments that are quite psychological um, and it feels like you can read people's minds. Obviously he can't, but he uh, has studied people really well and their behaviors. And he did one a few years ago and it was called the remote control experiment. And he uh, got an audience in and he filmed them and they thought they were watching his new game show, but actually the audience itself was the study um, that was being carried out. So they go in and they're told that they can wear masks and they're just simple white masks um, that hide someone's face. Uh, you obviously wouldn't be allowed to wear them today because their eyes are not only open, but so is the mouth. Um, and they put on these masks and that means they have a sense of feeling anonymous. They're in a crowd of several hundred people. And even though the people around them may know them um, and if they took the mask off, uh, they could still feel fairly anonymous, but this really brings it home. They also each have a remote control and it has two options, uh, a green option for something positive and a red option for something negative. And then the premise of this TV show that they don't quite realise is an experiment is that they watch uh, in real time a man's life, a man's evening play out and they can choose each stage whether they want this guy's evening to go better or to go worse. So it starts and he uh, is meeting up with a friend and there are actors involved in this, um, this as it goes. Obviously this guy is completely oblivious. And uh, the first thing is like, he walks into a bar. Uh, do we get someone to spill his drink over this person? Option A, yes. Um, go ahead and do it. Option B, oh, that's, I wouldn't appreciate it if someone threw their drink over me. No, I don't wanna do that. The majority say yes throw the drink that will be funny and that's what they do and it happens and then it goes a bit further and uh, someone comes in starts an argument with him gets a bit aggressive um, and people say yeah yeah I want that to happen and then uh, it goes you see there are some cameras in his flat at home he's completely oblivious and there's a decision of should his house get robbed should people go in and steal his stuff or smash up his um, tv and people go, yeah, yeah. And it just escalates and escalates. And it really shows the power that mob justice can have, the power a crowd can feel of I'm anonymous, I'm not responsible for these consequences. And it's I'm getting a bit of an adrenaline rush from uh, picking these options and essentially ruining not only this guy's night, but really, you know, when he finds out everything that's been going on, that's a huge... Uh, a nasty shock that he's going to have to carry and it escalates and escalates to the point at which they decide the crowd is asked do you want this person to be kidnapped and they've finished their night they've had a drink uh with these actors they're heading home um they're almost at their door and the uh, kind of crowd in this experiment watching all of these scenes play out they they see it and it, as it's escalated their sense of um, anonymity and uh, lack of consequences and recklessness just goes through the roof and they go yeah yeah let's kidnap him and as they go to kidnap him it appears to everybody watching that in the process of this kind of snatching of persons that's a road there's traffic that he then gets hit by a car 
Now, what the audience are then told is uh, the camera goes fuzzy, you don't quite know what's going on, people start stressing out. At home, as the TV audience, we get told that this has all been staged, um, that it's not real, uh, and that nobody's life is at risk. But what you see happen as people see the cameras go fuzzy and the audience is led to believe that this is real life, people begin to take their masks off because suddenly they feel, oh my goodness, I was just pushing a green button and a red button. But whoa, this person now could have died or be seriously injured. And am I some way responsible by just simply pushing a green button or a red button? And people no longer want to be anonymous because they feel responsibility. I wonder what you would do if you knew that you could be completely anonymous, even just for 24 hours. If sometimes we hear, don't we, thought experiments, you know, if if you knew that you could break any law and there would be no consequences, what would you do? Would you do something reckless or would you just live a normal day? I wonder what you would do if you knew what everyone else was doing. Maybe as an individual, you think, oh, no, I'm not the kind of person who would uh, go and steal something from a shop or uh, have a nose around my neighbour's house or, um, you know, whatever it was. I'm not the kind of person who would do that. If maybe a group of you were told, hey, you guys, you can go and do what you like. And someone suggested going to steal something from a, from a shop or breaking into someone's house. Would that be different? Would you think, oh, maybe go on then. It's a bit of a dare. Um, in a group identity, sometimes we can find ourselves doing things that we wouldn't imagine ever doing as an individual. And that is a really interesting element to the crucifixion story. We see that Jesus is put on trial several times by different people. Um, when the evidence is presented, then they say very simply, I have found no grounds for the death penalty. I can't see what this man has done wrong. He's not uh, broken laws that we can tell. Uh, he doesn't seem to be a criminal. Um, he definitely hasn't killed anybody, unlike the other person that they're considering releasing. Um, we, just, we just don't really get it. So there's, there's no evidence, but the crowd gets stirred up. There is a sense of, um, being anonymous of it's not really me I don't want to kill this person if someone handed me uh, the power the weapon to do it I wouldn't nail him to a cross but it's not about me because the crowd is saying this I'm only one person in a crowd um, so if we were put on trial then I'd be fine I could blame it on somebody else there was there was someone else who was stirring it up and they're responsible and I thought, wow, that's, that's actually when we think about that, we can see that in our own lives, can't we? Times we've followed the crowd. We haven't wanted to stand out to be the one in the 99 who, who pushed back. And that is a human thing. We want to be liked and accepted and belong to a community. And in many ways, there is nothing wrong with that. But when that community is advocating for injustice, for violence, for discrimination, for hate, then I think Jesus is always on the side of, 
hang on a moment, stop right there. I am not belonging to this crowd, no matter what the social cost. I'm going to be over here, thanks. I'm going to be with the shunned, with the oppressed, with the people who feel like they're completely on their own. And I wonder, in that experiment that Darren Brown conducted, if one person had stood up and said, guys, hang on, what on earth are we doing? Did you just see that not only has this guy had a drink spilled over him, an argument started with him, his food got wrong, he's now had his TV smashed. Do you really think it is fair for us to now uh, kidnap him? If one person had stood up, would that have been enough to break that sense of being anonymous? And suddenly people would have gone, I'm not the kind of person who wants to kidnap someone. And suddenly that would have changed the atmosphere. But that didn't happen until they thought he had been hit by a car. There are lots of times when people uh, advocate um, for the majority being right. Well, if most people believe this, then, then there's got to be something in it. If most people support this person, if, if most people benefit from this system, then, then that's the fairest thing to do. And actually, historically, we know that that is not always the case, that the majority does not necessarily mean the wisest choice, the wisest opinion. Slavery once suited the people in power, but it's always suited people in power. And it used to be overlooked by those who deem themselves to be unaffected. Um, they stepped back and said, oh, it's, it's not me. I'm not the one responsible. Um, but the system doesn't uh, make my life uncomfortable, so that's fine. First matters, uh, protests and the statues coming down, people being woken up to the fact that even though I'm not the one who's uh, killing innocent black people, actually I do have some level of responsibility here to, to respond to the injustice that I see and even though the majority of people are not killing black people clearly there's something happening here that the majority of us need to respond to because because it's happening anyway we can think about sexism and disability we can think about uh, our privacy rights online we can think of referendums there are things that the majority of people do but that does not mean it is the wisest outcome that we should follow the crowd um, when people are asked in the UK whether they individually support the death penalty and they think it should come back, then the majority of people say yes. On an individual basis, I wonder um, if they knew that the was going to be the one that tipped the law to uh, bring that back. I wonder if they would think differently. I've got some um, slides that, uh, Dave, if you could put put up that'd be really appreciated um, and there are some uh, deliberately controversial cartoons um, by a guy in America um, and I would really encourage you to uh, look at them in more detail um, perhaps after the service I will uh, put up a link on the hub um, the Instagram account he goes by is uh, Naked Pastor um, and he is deliberately provocative so you can see here his portrayal of Jesus shows the civil unrest that he's accused of that leads to this trial, that leads to him being put before Pilate and leads to the crowds being asked, you know, what do you want to happen? 
Jesus was a radical. Jesus was a rebel. And he, he, you know, let's not forget the Jesus that turned tables just as much as the Jesus who fed thousands, who heals people, who touched the leper. He was also the same Jesus who turned tables because he was unhappy when he saw injustice. Not only unhappy, he was furious. He acted out and he didn't care if he was the only one doing it and the crowd was saying otherwise. He did it anyway. And the crowd can feel a safe place, but it can also be a dangerous place. And you see that a bit in the second cartoon. Uh, we see some um, churches and it says, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. And I think, wow, that cuts deep, doesn't it? And you can see in these cartoons as well, um, there are some really uh, blunt messages shown here. And I think about the times where the church has followed the crowd and that breaks my heart because the majority is not always right the majority can only speak on behalf of the majority and that always suggests that the minority voice is worth less and Jesus would never allow that kind of message to stand he would say fine if you want to follow the crowd fine but I'm not there don't do that in my name. I am with the minority. I am with those who are shunned and shamed. And if that leads me, an innocent man, to be crucified, so be it. So be it. Because I am not going to follow the crowd to make my life easier. There is no evidence to crucify Jesus. There is um, a trial. But we can't really say it's a free trial or a fair trial. I was uh, thinking to myself in a way that maybe only lawyers' daughters do. Can you imagine if there was a public barrister sitting there in the trial um, and thinking, oh, Jesus, this idiot, why did we let him represent himself? He has no idea what he's doing. He's not saying anything. If only he could just explain to people, then he would get himself off the hook. He wouldn't be crucified. This is ridiculous. But Jesus chooses to be silent and let the crowd have the power because he knows he will have the last say. He knows what is coming. And so the verdict is not final, even though at the time it must have felt uh, incredibly final. And we know that the disciples felt that it was incredibly final. The reason I thought about calling this talk Jesus the Failed Terrorist is because what they're accusing Jesus of um, is inciting people to a rebellion and you see that in um luke 23 and you see him uh versus saying he was piled him with questions with many questions and that he he didn't give any answers Pilate says you bought me this man as one who was inciting the people to a rebellion but i found no grounds for the death penalty but maybe we'll just give him a severe flogging instead as if treating people as guilty until proven innocent is the right thing to do and that flogging is okay because at least we're not killing him hang on a moment this is not the kind of justice that i've heard jesus talk about the majority is not the wisest and actually jesus uh when he was uh, prophesied about before he he came then people expected him to be a political leader or at least a political activist, somebody who was going to overthrow the Roman Empire to challenge power. Um, and that 
would have inevitably, I believe, uh, this is a, a personal interpretation, that would have required violence. How on earth would you overthrow someone as powerful or people as powerful as the Roman Empire no without problem. some sort of force? Um, I, I just don't know how that would logistically have happened. Um, but Jesus chose not to. The definition of terrorist is someone who uses violence to further their political aims. That is what Jesus was accused of. He was accused of inciting people up to overthrow an empire. He chose peace. He chose not to fulfill what people expected of him. He did not go with the crowd. He said, if you're gonna crucify me, fine, because I will have the final say. I choose justice. And I don't care if I'm the only one in the room advocating for it. The tragedy of the resurrection is that he was he was an innocent man who the crowd in their um, sighted up adrenaline, recklessness, their sense of being anonymous, committed to be guilty. And mob justice is rarely just. It is rarely fair. We see um, in the, the second slide um, an image that uh, has a, a speech bubble of Jesus saying, um, question authority. This is obviously not a direct quote. This is not um, part of scripture. This is just an artist's interpretation of uh, the messages that Jesus uh, stood for to question authority. I wonder what that means for you. I wonder what it means to question what the majority believe, what people in power believe. I am not uh, advocating for terrorism or violence. Um, I'm simply asking you to, to challenge. If you could get away with anything, what would you do? Are there masks that you need to remove? Because Jesus never wore a mask. He never pretended to be anyone that he wasn't, however unpopular that made him. And you'll see on the, the final slide, uh, two of my favorite cartoons. Um, one of them is uh, of Jesus right there, quite early on in the Gospels, um, and um, he's out fishing uh, with a couple of his disciples, and one of them is saying, Jesus, can you please stop rocking the boats? And I just think that is, oh, that's my cup of tea all over. Um, and I wonder whether the church rocks the boat enough, whether it has the confidence to say, we don't care what the majority thinks because the majority is not always right. When I read these verses in Luke about the trial and the crucifixion of Jesus, then part of me wants to stand up and scream and say, no, I want to take my mask off. I wanted to be the dissenting voice that says, hang on a minute, this is an innocent man who we're subjecting to death. What on earth are we doing? And there's part of me that wonders, had I been there, had I been in that room, would I have had the courage to do that? Or would I have been like everybody else? You know, even Peter denies knowing him and denies uh, who Jesus is because he gets swept up in the crowd, in the majority feeling, in this uh, unjust but easier and more comfortable passion. And I, my message uh, this morning um, is one of challenge one uh, that I hope makes you uncomfortable um, because the gospel should 
I believe, make us uncomfortable. It certainly has that power and Jesus made people uncomfortable. So I don't think it is something we should be afraid of. Um, the final cartoon I acknowledge uh, is um, perhaps difficult to see. Um, and this is uh, an interpretation of the lost sheep and it uh, deliberately challenges where Jesus uh, would be uh, in the world today. Who are the lost sheep that Jesus is calling for us to go out and rescue from the darkness and the thorns, from the places that feel dangerous and isolated? The majority of people might not think that one sheep is worth going after. So what if their life is unfair, unjust, if they have no say or status or power in the society we live in? So what? My life's fine. I'm fine. And I wonder uh, what Jesus is saying to us today as we uh, begin to think about the new normal, about the Black Lives Matter protest, about the pride events that have had to happen online because it wasn't safe for them to happen on the streets for everything else has been cancelled and rearranged and the sense of of human connection that we have grieved that we've missed out on during this uh, pandemic i wonder how we'll emerge from this i wonder what jesus is saying to us now i wonder what the story of his crucifixion that we may know so well that we have heard so many times i wonder what that has to say to us this morning of Jesus's rebellious nature of his radical message and the audacity that um, he had to be resurrected to have the final word and we know that Jesus has the final word we know that so what have we got to lose in the meantime we know where we're going we know what our destiny is what have we got to lose and yeah, and what masks are we potentially wearing? What lost sheep are we potentially turning our backs on? And I, I say this to myself um, as much as uh, anybody else. Um, I have some books uh, that I am conscious of time, um, so I won't go through them now, but there are books that I have bought myself to, uh, to challenge situations where I think I hide behind a, a mask of the majority. Uh, things like uh, me and white supremacy um, that you may have come across. Uh, uh, my, one of my favourite books by a friend of mine, Those Who Show Up, which is all about Christians getting involved in politics. Uh, Love Wins by Rob Bell um, that some of you may be familiar with. Um, and Shameless by Nadia Boltzweber, uh, which is a very challenging commentary um, on LGBT rights and sexuality. And I just um, give you uh, these cartoons and these thoughts. And I, my, my prayer um, this morning is that we would be challenged, that we would be made comfortable with being uncomfortable, that the radicalness of the crucifixion would not be lost on us thousands of years later, and that we would be shown through Jesus's life that you can be radical, you can be rebellious without using violence, you can subvert the status quo. Um, and what have we got to lose? Because our destiny is in heaven, our destiny is just.
I realise I've I've talked for a while. That's quite a lot of things to throw at you um, on a on an August morning. Um, there is a song that is now going to play uh, that I heard at Greenbelt New Wine, one of the two, uh, a few years ago, um, and it's just got some really beautiful lyrics. Um, I hope that you uh, found those thoughts uh, provoking. Um, don't worry, I'm not a minister. I don't preach every week. <laughs> I don't have that kind of uh, power or microphone. Um, but yeah, I, I hope that there's something in there that you can take and dwell on in the next week. I'm just going to close in prayer and then we'll listen to this song. Lord, thank you uh, that you use us as broken and flawed human beings to do miraculous, audacious things that are rebellious and radical. Lord, thank you that you have the power uh, to speak through our actions. There is no person in the world ever, whether they in past, present or future, that you would not uh, deem worthy to die on a cross for. That brutal, violent, uh, torturous experience, there is no one that you would turn your back on. Lord, I thank you for the parable of the lost sheep, for the time that you turned tables in the temple. And I pray that you would uh, inspire us uh, this morning, this week, this year, to look for lost sheep, to be prepared to go against the status quo, where there are times in our lives where it may be easier to go with the majority, to shout, crucify him, the innocent person, crucify him, not me, crucify him or her, or them. Lord, I just pray that you would uh, remind us um, that you were always with the Shandania pressed. Poke, uh, poke us and prod us out of our privilege and our comfort. I ask this in your name. Amen. <laughs>